It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 18th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Orlando Magic's reported signing of Josh Majette to a two-way contract. It is Josh Majette, not Josh Maggetti. Get that right. Um, we'll talk about him, what he might bring to the team, why the Magic opted to go in this direction, and really uh, some of the roster, clean up some of the roster questions that you might have about where the Magic stand at, at this point of the offseason. Then we're going to chat a little bit about injuries. Uh, there was that report, uh, that, that really good report that if you haven't read from Baxter Holmes of ESPN.com on kind of a growing crisis of injuries. And it had me thinking about how the Magic have approached injuries since David Tenney took over as the high performance director of the Orlando Magic. So I'll kind of try and draw those thoughts together. Again, I, I'll, I'll preface that by saying, you know, I don't know if there is a direct connection, but it certainly gives some of the Magic's decisions over injuries a little bit of context as they try to uh, try to get the most out of these young players. And, and it seems like a lot of teams around the league are also dealing with some of these similar issues. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find here from a local expert that knows and follows their team deeply. Not a lot going on in the NBA right now, but you know, but you know, if you are interested in any team, any team in the league, you want to know why the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to hold on to Chris Paul a little bit longer, check out Locked On Thunder. We've also got the national podcast, Locked on NBA, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. And since it is now the dead point of the NBA offseason, check out our great NFL, MLB, and college podcast too. You can find them all on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, wherever you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Remember, the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
The Orlando Magic made uh, a small move, and, and I think I think all we were expecting at this point of the season, as far at this point of the year, as far as transactions for the Orlando Magic, are the kind of the doling out of their two-way contracts. All that is really left on the table for the Magic to do at this point is to del you know del out these two-way contracts. These these players who can spend no more than 45 days with their parent club and will spend most of the season in the G League. Um, it's not a tool the Magic have used particularly well. I actually looked this up. The Orlando Magic's two-way players, who I think we were all really excited about with Troy Copain and, and Emile Jefferson, they played a combined... Let me get them, let me make sure I get this right. They played a combined 16 games in 84 total minutes for the Orlando Magic last year. 16 games, 84 total minutes. Now, certainly, Orlando made the playoffs. Playoff teams have less use for two-way players on main roster. Um, certainly, Orlando was extremely healthy last year. Really, Mo Bamba, the only major injury. Isaac missed six or seven games um, early in the year as well. But the Magic got through last season pretty healthy. And so, there, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. And you know, having probably two of the better, and, and I thought Troy Copain played really well for the Washington Wizards in Summer League, having two of the better G League players as your two-way co- contract players um, helped the Lakeland Magic make the playoffs and reach the Eastern Conference Finals. So, it, it's it's not all, you know, I think that there are, around the league, a lot of teams still figuring out how best to use these contracts, how best to utilize these players and, and how to bring them up and down, and, and the Magic are certainly still figuring that out as well. Um, but I also think that these two-way contracts are also somewhat used to give a little extra money to your high-level G League players. In some ways, I would argue signing Josh Majette is less about the Orlando Magic and more about the Lakeland Magic. Josh Majette's statistical profile is not impressive. I will, I will say that that much. He's been a longtime stalwart at NBA Summer Leagues. Um, he averaged uh, 2.6 points and 3.2 assists per game and 12 minutes per game for the Atlanta Hawks in 2018. He played 10 games last year for Gran Canaria in the Spa- Spanish ACB League across a Euro, Euro League as well as, um, as, well as the, 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 the domestic league. Averaged only 5 points and 3 assists per game and 14.5 minutes per game. At Summer League this year, he averaged 6.8 points at 4.8 assists per game. And those assist numbers are pretty nice. They're pretty solid. If there's one thing he is good at, it is working a pick and roll and passing the ball. Uh, in the G League, uh, he played three years in the G League with, with the Erie Bayhawks, most notably. He led the league in assists. He is a very gifted passer. But for the main roster, for the Orlando Magic's roster, I don't anticipate seeing Josh Majette a lot. Now, perhaps, you know, this is a 29-year-old. I think the Magic feel pretty comfortable and pretty solid knowing what he's going to give the team at any moment. They're not, you know, they, they're, I don't think that they think that he can do more than he's capable of in, in that sense. So I, I think the Magic brought in a, a veteran player that serves two purposes. One, he's going to make the Lakeland Magic better. Um, you know, if, if they're going to lose Copain, they brought in a pretty high-level point guard to replace him. And, you know, it, it's a minor league team. The roster flips over a lot. But I, I would think the Lakeland Magic want to be back in the playoffs. 
and want to win a championship. Now, maybe that's not the first goal of the G League, but it is certainly a goal. And the Magic were right there last year, falling in the Eastern Conference Finals on a buzzer beater at that. So, this is a winning move for them. I think Majette will help them a ton. But for the main roster, I also see something else. For the Orlando Magic's main roster, I look at this move and I also see an insurance policy. An extreme insurance policy, let me make that clear, but an insurance policy nonetheless. To me, this decision to bring in a guy like Josh Majette is essentially saying, what if Markel Fultz can't go? What if he's still struggling to get back and get, get consistent? Well, then you're then you got DJ Augustin and Mark, Mark, Michael Carter Williams, and so now you have a high level third point guard, or, or at least a high level fourth point guard, as a break break glass in case of emergency player. If the idea of having a two way contract is that the player can play for your main roster when called upon. Josh Majette is certainly someone who can step in on a limited basis and, yes, in a limited role and give you something. I don't think he, I think that he is someone that, sort of like Emile Jefferson, the coaching staff will trust very quickly and feel comfortable with if they have to put him in the game. Now, Josh Majette is not better than Michael Carter Williams. He's honestly even Markel Fultz injured as he is now. Because uh, as I've told a lot of people, uh, my personal opinion, and this is not based on anything, Markel Fultz can still play, uh, in my opinion. I, I don't think the issue is Markel Fultz isn't capable of stepping onto an NBA court tomorrow. The issue with Markel Fultz, in my opinion, is the Magic want him to be fully healthy so he can begin developing and stop worrying about managing pain. And that's, again, something we'll talk about here in a little bit because I, I do think there's some interesting thoughts on that. Although Fultz is kind of in his own own window there. So Majette then to me is a an emergency point guard, a comfortable option for a team in case things go wrong at perhaps the Magic's weakest position. I mean, I think it's no secret people want to upgrade the point guard position. They want to upgrade both guard positions, honestly. And don't really know what to make of of the Magic's depth at that position right now. So I think that's what Majette does. You know, I think he's a solid player. Uh, you know, it, he is... I, I, we, we, uh, me and, and my Magic pals, especially during the Orlando Summer League, would always have a joke. And this is not meant as disrespect, but... Josh Majet to me is a summer league Hall of Famer, someone who has who goes to summer league every single year, plays noticeably well. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I we, we kind of make the summer league Hall of Famer thing a joke amongst amongst us reporters, but it, it is a little bit of respect. Like we we watch these guys, we watch these guys come through every single year and just be on the grind and play well, but not well enough to to get out of summer league. And unfortunately, that's kind of where Majette is. He, he is a high-level summer league player. He is a very good player. He plays noticeably well when he's in that setting. I mean, Emil Jefferson is getting close to summer league Hall of Fame status. Um, 
he is someone that plays well in that setting. And it's just about finding the right spot and the right position and the right fit for him at that next level, at the G League level, at the NBA level. The Magic probably aren't it. But if it should come to it, if it should come that the Magic need a point guard, there are a lot worse options out there than Josh Majed. And so while he may not be a great scorer, he may not be a, a fantastic shooter, he is a solid passer, a good defender, you know, especially considering his kind of lack of athleticism. He is a solid defender, and he'll fit in with this team and certainly with the Lakeland Magic as, as their potential point guard. So Josh Majet likely to sign a two-way contract with the Orlando Magic when training camp gets a little bit closer. We're still waiting to hear what the Magic do with that second two-way contract spot. A lot of us suspect that it will go to Daquan Jeffries off the Summer League team. Um, there are still a few other roster issues going on that, that we do have to keep an eye on. The Magic currently have two roster spots open. One of those is assumed to be going to Chuma Okiki. Um, the Magic have not yet signed Chuma Okiki. Okiki is the only first-round pick, I believe, who has not signed his contract yet, his rookie contract yet. Um, and, and there's no there's no hint as to why that's the case. I have begun speculating, and this is purely speculation, so don't take me at my word. Don't take this as gospel. I am beginning to speculate that the Magic's plan for Chuma Okiki is to not sign him and let him play in the G League as a draft and stash player. Um, you may remember a few years ago, the Oklahoma City Thunder drafted Josh Hestis and was a surprise pick and was in the late 20s. But the Thunder drafted Josh Hestis with the express um, decision, because he was healthy at the time, with the express decision to leave him in the G League for a year because they didn't, have the, they didn't want to go into the tax and they didn't have the cap room to sign him uh, to his rookie contract and let that contract roll over. Um, rookie contracts and the rookie scale roll over for at least... I think it's three years, maybe four years, um, before you're released kind of from the rookie scale. Um, that, that The most famous example for this for Magic fans is Fran Vasquez. The Magic actually still own the draft rights to Fran Vasquez if he ever wanted to come to the NBA, which he's like 34, 35, so probably not. Um, the Magic can't, the Magic own his draft rights. He has to play for the Orlando Magic, and they're not bound to the rookie scale from 2000. What year was it? 2006, 2005? They're not bound to that rookie scale anymore. That's actually how the, the Spurs signed Manu Ginobili because they drafted him um, two, two, three years before he actually came to the NBA and then, and then they were able to sign him to a non-rookie scale deal. Um, so, I, I, you know, I kind of think that's what's going on. Again, that's, that's speculation on my part about Chuma Okiki. Um, I, I suspect that that the Magic may be looking to, um, the Magic may be looking to uh, to sign him to uh, or sign him to a G League contract and let him develop uh, in the G League for a year before bringing him back to the main roster. I don't quite buy that. I'd rather have him rehab with the Magic's training staff, and of course that gets us to the next issue that we want to talk about on today's podcast. But before we get into that, I want to say a quick word from one of our great, great sponsors, and that is Postmates. Um, I'm going to bring up my liner here, um, but but Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Uh, for a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100. That's one zero zero, a cool Franklin. 
in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code LOCKEDON today to take advantage of this great offer. Postmates, again, your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round, giving you $100 off your first, or $100 free delivery credit in your first seven days. Download the Postmates app today. Use the code LOCKED ON. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Last week, uh, on, uh, last week on ESPN.com, uh, Baxter Holmes came out with this really fantastic and, and, and somewhat, you know, quiet to the public, but alarming post about injuries in basketball and the seeming increase that we're now seeing in young players especially suffering catastrophic feels too big of a word but catastrophic injuries like major injuries the lead of the article talks about Julius Randle who in his first game with the Los Angeles Lakers, 19 minutes into his NBA career, went up for a dunk, came down on a non-contact injury, and had broken his leg. Now, obviously, Julius Randle has recovered and has carved out a very nice career for himself. Played very, very well for the New Orleans Pelicans last year uh, and, uh, I believe, signed with the New York Knicks. That was all a prelude to a series of stories and anecdotes from NBA trainers, support staff, athletic trainers, you know, medical professionals who have studied youth injuries and are seeing are, and are seeing players get injured at younger and younger age, ages. And they're not only seeing that, they're seeing signs of these injuries much sooner. One trainer in this article, and again, I highly suggest you read it. It's on ESPN.com. One trainer in this article said that most of these players are ticking time bombs. That getting to the NBA for many of these elite athletes, many of these elite players, is more about survival than it is skill. That they are seeing players who lack basic balance, like basic skills to support their athleticism that will ultimately hurt them down the road. We're seeing a lot of these non-contact injuries, whether it's, you know, as, as players continue to push the bounds of physical athleticism. I mean, the league has become so versatile where you're seeing seven-foot guys 
playing on the perimeter, doing, I mean, doing incredible, incredibly athletic things. And some new injuries and some odd injuries have occurred because of that. From the, from the sound of things, athletic trainers and, and medical support staff for teams are desperate to get these players into their system. Start building the strength that maybe they should have built in an amateur as an amateur, and hope that they can get enough work in to prevent the injury in time. That's a pretty dire situation, and and the blame for a lot of this has fallen onto specialization. The NBA and USA Basketball have have issued guidelines suggesting that. Young players shouldn't specialize until they're in middle school, I believe. That they should be limited in how much practice time they have at certain ages. And the NBA and, and USA Basketball, which are pretty much intertwined at this point, are trying to head this off at the pass a little bit. They are trying to they are trying to, to get ahead of this now that they've they've clearly seen a problem. But obviously, a lot of this trend is something they can't control. They can't tell youth athletes. They can't tell parents. They can't tell coaches. I mean, they can tell coaches or they can try and guide coaches, but they can't tell all these people not to train this way. Obviously, the allure of playing in the NBA, the allure of playing in college and getting a scholarship has affected a lot of this. It has indeed kind of shifted the focus of young athletes to where they are specializing. You don't see a lot of high school athletes playing multiple sports. And it was interesting in the article, they, they quoted Joe Rogalski, the former uh, athlete, the former head, head of strength and conditioning for the Orlando Magic uh, during the finals runs. Um, he, he would have his players do cross-training. Like uh, everyone remembers the stories about Donald Foyle, Marcin Gortat, Courtney Lee, and a lot of the Magic players doing boxing classes uh, during the offseason, doing different sports as a way to rest the body from basketball activity. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, Marcin Gortat, Courtney Lee will still drop into Orlando when they're here in the offseason and take some of those boxing classes still. They, they still swear by it. And in fact, I, I, I was at a boxing class one time and almost, a kickboxing class one time and almost kicked Courtney Lee in the face. Um, uh, sorry about that, Courtney. Um, Um, it, it's it's definitely a, a problem, uh, and it's a cultural problem that's that's very difficult to uproot. Um, as the article as the article stated, basketball activities, basketball um, actions, are very hard on the body. I, I mean, we we always kind of joke, especially with some of these ACL injuries, your body has X amount of jumps in it, especially high level jumps, and Sometimes that, that ligament just snaps. Sometimes that Achilles just snaps. And, and what the concern is, is here is strengthening muscles in different ways so that that doesn't happen. That's all part of this too. So how does this relate to the Orlando Magic? Why... why 
did this article strike strike me? And it's not just because it's it's really interesting and, and, and really important to the future of the game. It's because the Orlando Magic have taken such a sometimes frustrating, but have taken a very patient and slow approach to injuries with their young players. In last year, Jonathan Isaac sprained his ankle. Sprained his ankle, the most common injury in basketball. If you've played basketball in your life, you have rolled your ankle and sprained it. It is painful as hell. I've broken my foot on a, on rolling my ankle. And the guy, I, I stepped on someone's foot, rolled it really hard, high ankle sprain, fracture, fractured a bone. Guy was really apologetic. I was like, I went up for a rebound landing on your foot. There's nothing you can do. It's literally an injury that yeah, there's very little you can do about. It's going to happen. And yet, Jonathan Isaac missed 50 games. And we all sat here frustrated because, A, the Magic are super quiet about what they do and their injury and their injury recovery and, and guys coming back. But we all sat here frustrated that, you know, simple ankle sprain, there's got to be something more. And I think we all suspected there was something more than an ankle sprain. But under this context, when you look at the context of, of concern about long-term injuries with, with these high-level basketball players, it becomes something else. It, become, it became a chance to hit pause a little bit, take Isaac off the basketball court for a little while, and make sure he's got the proper strength and conditioning so that an injury like that doesn't happen again. Or that if it does happen again, it won't be as severe. Or the injury that that he had would become something else, wouldn't become an Achilles, wouldn't become uh, a foot injury or, or what or whatnot. The Magic, it seems, took that opportunity to build up sort of Jonathan Isaac's defenses to future injury. And when he sprained his ankle again, when he rolled his ankle again going up for a rebound early last season... There was definitely some concern that he would be out for a long time. But six or seven games later, he was back on the court. And yes, it took Isaac some time to regain confidence in his body. But once he did, that was one of the reasons the Magic season turned around the way it did. When Isaac finally felt like he could do the things that he normally could on the court, things changed completely for him and for the team. And the Magic really took the same approach with Mo Bamba. In early January, Mo uh, reportedly uh, reported some foot discomfort. They rested him. They checked it out. Sent him back out there, which was which was odd. Um, and he was still reporting it. And eventually, they discovered that he had a fracture in his foot, in his leg. And that's the kind of injury that you're seeing a lot in these teams. And it could have been much worse, but they caught it early. They shut him down. And then they started to build a strength and conditioning program for him. Because hey, everyone knew muscle and, and strength was going to be a big part of Mo's development. But this gave the Magic the time to really work on it. And especially being such a big guy and a guy that doesn't have a, a like wide frame, to be frank. This is important work. And so the Magic, throughout David Tenney's tenure, and, and as the, and the director of... of uh, the director of uh, performance for for the Orlando Magic is sort of a catch-all term. He's in charge of all the med of all the medical strength and conditioning staff, uh, all of that. The high performance director. 
And he's always been at, at the cutting edge of sports science when it comes to injury prevention. If I'm not mistaken, he was one of the first athletic trainers in any sport to use Catapult, to use the, the player tracking system, which, um, uh, it, you know, the science is still getting developed on what all that data means, but uh, a lot of people believe that these these tracking devices that a lot of these sports teams are using, and, and most NBA team now, I believe, uses them as well, um, they believe that it can sense when, you know, sense or, or be used for injury prevention. Like, one of the theories behind it is you know, they test a baseline of your jump and they can see the impact that you jump, that you land with or, or that you or how you lift off. And if there are little deviations on that, like if you're favoring your left leg when you land, when you normally wouldn't, or you're jumping, you're, jump, you're not jumping off, jumping off with the same amount of force, there is a lot of belief that that is a clue that an injury might be on the way. It's, it's interesting science. It's still developing science, and teams are still figuring out how to how to employ this, and the players' union is figuring out how best to protect player privacy if, if teams have all this data on their players. It's it's going to be one of the big battles, I think, um, in the next CBA negotiations. This this is this is very cutting edge. This is very like kind of cutting edge stuff that's still very much in development, but has become very widespread throughout the league. And, and Tenny, you know. The Magic tiring Tenny was a big deal. I know we covered it here. I know we covered it on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. It's a big deal, and he's done a lot of good work for the Magic. And this is part of it. Now, I'm not here to say, and again, I think this is probably the caution I should have given earlier and earlier. I'm not here to say that the Magic, for sure, kept these guys out longer to build to keep them to build their strength to prevent future injuries. And that, that's the sole reason why Bamba didn't return or Isaac sat out 50-plus games two years ago. I think that this is an ongoing thing and something that will continue. And certainly the Magic's faith in their training staff is a reason they felt comfortable taking a Chuma Okiki who had a torn ACL a few months ago. They th- They're very comfortable that their training staff will be able to get the most out of his recovery. But there's obviously still a lot to go, a lot of lot to learn about these injuries and a lot to learn about how to solve these problems. And I think this context this, that, that, that maybe a lot of people didn't realize, I certainly didn't realize it until reading this article, this context helps explain, I believe, some of the Magic's approach. And I don't think that's going to change. I think the Magic will continue to be cautious and patient with injuries. Like I said, Markel Fultz is kind of in his own thing because I don't think thoracic outlet syndrome is an overuse injury, which is, which is, some of the, which is the biggest concern among all these, but... Certainly, I think the Magic are thinking the same thing. Physical therapy, rehab, strengthening, and then get out and play. And again, that's the reason why I think they are fine not setting a timetable because especially for these players, it's about their long-term health and how they'll contribute to the team in the long term more than get them out there and just try and win games now. As much as the team is trying to win now. And so, 
And so uh, to me, this is the context under which the Magic are making decisions. Now, obviously, the Magic have a lot more information and a lot more understanding of what's going on than, than you or I ever could, to be frank. We're, we're always playing with less information than the Magic actually have. And that's why I don't all, I'm not quick to criticize the Magic on a lot of these decisions because ultimately, we only have part of the story. But I think this gives much-needed context to some of the decisions the Magic have made that have had fans questioning them a little bit. And I don't think this issue is going away anytime soon. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at, at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, anywhere you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me uh, today. I'll probably be done for the week. So we'll see you all again next week. We'll talk a little bit, um, probably talk a little bit about the, this Magic team in historical context. Up with within the team, I'm, I'm gonna run my run my little little study on that. Um, try and try and place them within the pantheon of, of magic teams and 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 do that. I, I try to do that every year um, and talk about you know plenty of other issues going on around the NBA, of course, as well. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.